I love baptism. I do. I love to see people baptized. Uh, what a beautiful picture of grace and mercy. I know in the next few weeks we've got several baptisms coming up in our church. And, and man, I, I just, I love it. I mean, it, 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 it's, there, there's nothing in the church more beautiful to me than to see a person get into the baptismal waters. And to be honest, I get emotional about baptism. When I watch it, it's just something stirs within me. And I think most believers do. Something in us just loves to see that picture of the old being washed away and forgiveness coming into a life and a new life starting uh, in Christ. Uh, We have a new set of neighbors, Kelly and I do, they're right across the road. They have two little twin boys and about an eight-year-old girl. And uh, we've only seen them a few times, but enough where they know what I do and that Kelly and I are believers. And they were coming over, uh, the mom was coming over the other night to ask us about uh, Jessie, our oldest daughter, babysitting uh, her children. And one of her uh, uh, children have severe anxiety problems, and so she was wanting to kind of introduce and, you know, get that out of the way and make it a little more comfortable. Well, while she was standing there, a, a faith conversation started up, and I was able to clearly share the gospel and hear her background and upbringing and tell her about grace, and she said, you know, I'm just not good enough. I don't know if I can earn it, and, you know, of course, you know, we don't believe you can earn it anyway, and so I, I shared and, and, and gave her a book, and they were trick-or-treating last night, and she came over with her kids, and Kelly was kind of entertaining the, the boys and, and, and uh, the other kids in the neighborhood that were there, and, and um, she said, Nick, I did it. Last Sunday, I went to church, and I gave my heart to Jesus, and I'm going to get baptized. What, a, what an exciting thing. I, I, you know, I don't remember a lot about my early days as a believer. I was 12 years old. I remember the day I got saved. But I remember my baptism. I remember looking up, uh, and my mom and dad didn't come to church a lot, but they came at my baptism, and my mom was standing up there, and I remember the day uh, that that I was baptized and I identified uh, with Jesus. And, you know, but what I do remember a lot about baptism are those special days that I've got to share with people in their baptism. You know, share baptizing your own kids. Oh, man, what, a, what an amazing thing that is. And, and, and with special friends who I've been able to baptize. And every time that I would baptize people, there's this special moment. We had changing rooms up at Edgewood that were kind of on each side upstairs, and you would walk down into the women on one side, men on the other side, several, you know. But there was a hallway where we would all congregate right before the time of baptism. And in our church, we would baptize people after the first song. You know, we would sing a song, I would be waiting in the water, the screen would go up, we would explain, that's kind of how we did things. And so while that first song was going on, I usually prayed with the person who was there. I would explain how it was going to go down in the baptistry. You know, you hold on to me like this, and if you go down, I go down. So, you know, <laughs> trying to calm some fears type stuff. And, and while I was there, I would always ask them, do you have any questions? I'll never forget one little kid, you know, I was explaining to them, and you really try to take time with kids, you, you know, we want to explain with them, you know, you, you're buried with Christ in baptism, you're raised to walk in a new life, and like Jesus was buried, you're going under the water, and like he was raised, you're coming up, and one little kid looked at me, and I said, do you have any questions? And he said, are you going to hold me under three days? You know, I told him, <laughs> no, don't plan to, just tell you bubble, but anyhow, uh, you know, you know, how many of you here were raised Baptist? Okay, now this isn't participation. Okay, now put your hand down. How many were not? It's okay because there's a lot of people who weren't. All right, all right. it's about 60-40, were and weren't. So don't feel like you're in the minority too bad. It's pretty much evenly split here. 
You know, there's a lot of people in Burlington, what I found, from a lot of different backgrounds. And, and in our, what I've found is your understanding of baptism is always influenced by your first impression of baptism. What your parents taught you, what your neighbors taught you, what your first pastor taught you, what your first Sunday school teacher taught you about baptism will always influence a little bit of what you think about baptism. And if those of you who weren't raised Baptist, you know what I'm about to say is true. There are a lot of different opinions about how baptism is to be done, about who is supposed to be baptized, and what it means to be baptized. There's just, and because there's so many opinions, that leaves lots of questions. So today I want to do the simplest thing I can possibly do in the pulpit. I want to try to answer some of the questions. The first thing I want to do is tell you a little bit about what Baptists do in baptism. Well, you need to know when we baptize people, we submerge all believers uh, in the water. We submerge all... We put you under. We don't hold you three days, but we, we do put you under the water. No matter where we are, we find water deep enough to put people all the way under the water. And, and that's what, what we do because that's what we believe the New Testament teaches. Uh, they found water in John chapter four or Mark 4 or John 4 that was deep enough for them to baptize. Why did they have to find water that was deep enough for them to baptize? Jesus came up out of the water. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch who was coming back uh, from worshiping in Israel, going back to Ethiopia, surely he had a canteen of water with him. Why did, was he so surprised when uh, Philip was preaching to him and he said, look, there's water! You've been telling me about baptism and there's water! If that wasn't the way of the New Testament, I, I don't understand a lot of passages. Now, uh, I know that, that uh, I've been a part in, in deep water in a lot of different venues. I've been a part in uh, uh, baptistries. Um, I've been a part of baptisms in, in rivers uh, in Brazil and in Africa. Uh, I've watched baptisms around a country lake. Uh, I've been a part of a baptism in a swimming pool at the Y. <laughs> uh, we used a cattle trough for a while when we didn't have a baptistry because we believe the Bible teaches that you're to submerge candidates who are to be baptized. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. Uh, second thing we believe as Baptists is we also believe that baptism should only be administered to those who confess their faith in Jesus. Um, whether it's a child, uh, as my children were, as my wife was, a teenager like I, I was, or an adult like my mom and dad were. Uh, we, we believe that baptism is for those who are able to profess their faith, their belief in Christ. Now, other denominations will baptize infants, and some have a set time that they baptize children. But we don't look at a person's age as Baptist. We want to hear a person's heart. If that heart is confessing faith in Christ and repentance of sin, repentance of sin, faith in Christ, then we believe that person should be baptized. Now, something you need to understand about Baptist is we do not believe that uh, baptism is an act of salvation. We believe it's a symbol. Uh, uh, so, some denominations teach that baptism is necessary. If you don't get baptized, you won't be saved. Um, 
they think maybe it's necessary to wash away original sin. You know, if you don't get baptized, your original sin will still be with you. Or they believe that it is the, the, the act that imparts grace. That if you don't receive baptism, you won't receive grace uh, from the Lord. As Baptists, we don't believe that baptism has anything to do with entrance to heaven. Uh, why do we believe that? Well, let me ask you this. Jesus was baptized. Do you think he'd have made it without it? You know, I mean, just a question. And then the thief on the cross, who was promised by the Lord, assuredly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. There's no historical evidence that says that he was taken off the cross and baptized. You know, but yet he was given complete assurance with the knowledge of what was going to happen to him uh, that he would be with the Lord in heaven. Uh, now, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, uh, this is if you want to know what, what Baptists believe, this is kind of like the Baptist creed, I guess. For by grace you have been saved. We believe that we're saved by grace. That's a gift of God, something God gives to us, something that we can't deserve. It's purely out of his love that we get this. By his grace, we've been saved, and this happens through faith. You're saved, your entrance to heaven, your promise of eternal life, your right relationship with God is given to you by God's own uh, free will, generously, as a gift, and he gives this to you through the means of faith. You, by grace, you've been saved through faith. And, he, and, and, and then he goes on to clarify, this is really important. He says, and, and even this is not your own doing. Don't think you're smarter than other people or you figured it out. If you believe, God has blessed you with the ability to believe and you should praise him because your going to heaven is not of your own works, not a result of works, because God's not going to let you into heaven and you say, I made it. Duh. You know, God's not going to let you in like that. He's going to have people come to heaven who are saying, oh, thank you, God, what you have done for me. Now, let me ask you a question. While we've got this up here, it's not a result of works. Couldn't we say, possibly, that if a person said, well, if I'm going to go to heaven, i got to get baptized, we could also throw that into the category of something you have to do to get there? Hmm. Just, just food for thought. But we don't believe that baptism saves you. Now, we think it's important. Somebody asked me, do you think a person's going to go to heaven if they don't get baptized? And I always say, I can't imagine a person going to heaven and not wanting to get baptized. Makes me wonder if the Lord's touched your heart, if you don't want to do what the Lord tells you to do. But uh, can I envision a person going to heaven without being baptized? Yeah, I can. Uh, If they have faith and don't have opportunity to get baptized. Obviously, uh, I, I believe that. Now... Uh, if you now, I want to take a time out here and say, if you were raised Episcopalian, Catholic, possibly Lutheran, Church of Christ, or even Methodist, I have probably ticked you off already. That was not my intent, I promise you. Uh, and uh, if you, if you're emotionally charged over what I've just said, I'm only here on Monday, so Jeff and Kent would be glad to take your questions on Tuesday. All right, so. Win-win. All right, you get the vent. I don't have to listen. So anyhow, <laughs> not for long. <laughs> Truthfully, uh, I'm just kidding with you. The biggest difference between us and others, in many ways, is not our views on baptism. It's our view 
on our source of authority. What do we believe should guide our practices and our beliefs? And for Baptists, our source of authority is the Bible. We believe the Bible should guide what we believe and how we practice. That, that's what Baptists historically have believed. Now, I have many, many friends who come out of backgrounds who, who are, are not encouraged to read the Bible. They would, they would absolutely have respect for the Bible. They would have one in their house. They would even possibly believe it's true, but they were never really encouraged to read it, and they can't find anything in it. And naturally, if you don't read your Bible, you'll simply do what the church you attend tells you to do. So I'm not condemning at all. It's just, it's just what you do. And, and I want to say this. There are some wonderful, wonderful people in the denominations that I just mentioned who are going to heaven and love Jesus who don't understand baptism like me. I, I know that. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint with this broad brush and say everybody who's not here isn't going. That's just false. It's not true. Uh, but I do know that, that it is an emotionally charged issue. A few years ago, I was visiting this lady at her house, and uh, you know, we had small talk for a while, and she was, I don't know, 25, 30 years older than me, and we'd, she'd been coming to our church, and we were visiting, and we were talking, and, and while I was sitting there just, just talking you know, about her kids and her life, she suddenly changed the subject by saying something like this, Preacher, I just want you to know that you're not going to get me dunked. Just out of the blue. I mean, just and, and I said in reply to her, "Well, I'm really not here to get you dunked," which wasn't entirely the truth. But <laughs> you know, but I had an old preacher friend who used to say, "If they know you're lying and you know you're lying, it's the same thing as telling the truth." <laughs> which, I don't know if I'd live by that advice or not. <laughs> that preacher friend might have been skewed a little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, she had, but she had seen people baptized in our church services, and though she liked it, she just had no desire to be immersed. And so she just said, you know, I'm not doing this, and let me know. And, uh, but I want you to understand, in the New Testament, any time a person had that aha moment with Jesus where they know that he had saved them and they put their faith in him, they just got baptized. I mean, I, I can't paint it any other way. Uh, it's just what the New Testament teaches from the book of Acts when baptism was started until Revelation. It's what you see every time. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls. Peter stands up and preaches, Jesus died for your sins. You are a sinner. You know that? Oh, yeah, we know that. They know it so much. When they hear Peter preach, they're cut to the heart. and They say, brothers, what should we do? And Peter stands up and he says, in, in the next verse, verse 38. <laughs> Repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then it says in verse 39, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone who will call, or everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, next verse says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. And verse 41 says, So those who received his word, see, belief, then they just got baptized. Just, it was like it was one event almost. They couldn't even imagine saying, I'm going to believe, but I'm not going to obey. They received his word and were baptized. And that day, there were 3,000. 
thousand souls added to the church. And what an amazing, amazing thing. Now, why did they do this? Why did Peter stress baptism? I mean, because, wait a minute, you just said, why, why was it so important to him? Because Jesus stressed baptism. In the Great Commission, right before Jesus goes back up into heaven, the Great Commission tells us in Matthew 28, 19, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Guys, this isn't Nick making this up. This is Jesus proclaiming this to us. That that Christians get baptized. Um, for 2,000 years, we've done just that. We said, yes, sir, Lord. And we've seen our marching orders uh, as, as applicable to us. And so, yes, we will, we will baptize. Now, have you ever wondered, though, why did Jesus command baptize? Now, you might have said, well, I knew every bit of this, preacher. Why did Jesus command us to get baptized? Why didn't he say... Go make disciples and require them to go to Sunday school. That'd be easier. You know, maybe. You know, <laughs> you know, why didn't he say, you know, go make disciples and take a trip to the Holy Land? Or go make disciples and require them to root for, you know, the Steelers or something like that. Why didn't he... What? Uh, yeah. Guys, just a quick, just a clarification. I know y'all, I think I've been here long enough where y'all will love me in spite of this. Yeah, I got you. Did y'all know that Steeler fans didn't even know we played the Bengals this week? Ooh. Oh, man. I thought y'all liked me. I just crossed the line. I did. All right. But why did, I mean, really, why didn't Jesus just say, but, Believe, become a disciple, and do something else. You know, memorize the books of the Bible. Memorize the genealogy. You know, why didn't he just do something like that? Why did he command his disciples to immerse new disciples in water? That's really a strange kind of practice when you think about it. Why dunk in water? Now, what we're going to do for the next few minutes is I want you to imagine something, and I'm going to take you to another passage, okay? I want you to pretend for just a minute. I want you to pretend that... You are a man or a woman living in the first century, okay? About the time of Jesus. You had a mom who was a Greek and a dad who was a Roman. You grew up believing in the plethora of gods in the heavens, Zeus and, or Athena or whoever, okay? You moved to Jerusalem to do some business, uh, because you're sophisticated now and you're a business person, you really think this mini-gods thing is just kind of hocus-pocus, but you play along just to do business. You know, but you're too sophisticated to believe in that kind of craziness. But now you're in Palestine and you're doing business with Jewish people, and they're different. Because those Jewish people don't believe in this pantheon of gods. They believe in one true God. And, and even though they're uh, uh, oppressed by overly oppressive taxes, they still have this great big faith in Yahweh, like he's in control, and you're kind of in, intrigued by it because they're devout people, and, and they are uh, st strong family people, and they seem to be upright and good guys. And so the more time you spend with them, the more you're intrigued by their faith, and you start to ask questions, and they start answering, and this one true God thing starts making sense to you. 
And, and after a while of, of reading some of their literature and, and talking to them, you ask this question, is it possible for me, a Gentile, to become a Jew like you? Now, is it possible for that to happen? Would that maybe work? And they tell you, well, yeah, you can do it. Uh, but, you know, there's some things you got to do. Of course, they're Jewish. There's commands you got to keep, you know. And, and what are those commands? Well, they first tell you, number one on the list, guys, you got to be circumcised. And you start thinking, well, maybe Zeus is not such a bad idea. But, you know, anyhow, they tell you immediately that. And then number two on the list is you've got to submit to the law of Moses. And then they tell you you're going to have to eat a, uh, this special covenant meal periodically. And then they tell you you're going to have to make sacrifices at the temple because that's how you stay holy. But then they tell you you're going to have to do some ritual washing. Uh, some, uh, in, in just representing, you're washing away your Gentileness, your unholiness. And so you're going to have to ritually wash yourself. And you say, you know, I don't know. I want to think about it. And so he says, hey, man, I get that. I'm not trying to pressure you. But I'm going to make you a list of the five things that you've got to do, you know, that, to be a Jew. And at the bottom of the list, he writes this Greek word, baptizo. Okay? This word was a common everyday word. Uh, it was a word that we find in some ancient poetry. It's a word that we find in a recipe on how to make pickles. You take the cucumber and you baptizo it. But when you see this, you don't connect anything religious with this because up to this point, nobody connected anything religious with it. What I want you to understand is up to the point of 1st century AD, nobody thought that baptism was from God. Baptizo was just a word. Just like putting, you know, a... Uh, 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 on your shoes and taking off down the road in, in too short of shorts and a tank top is a word like running or something like that, you know, which it, I don't do much of that. But anyhow, the, it's just a word, running. You baptize, you dump, you cleanse, okay? Y'all tracking with me? Now, this cleansing of the Jews was something you do all by yourself. You cleansed yourself. You know, you go dunk yourself, you go wash yourself, and you'd call yourself clean. So your friend gives you this list of things you're to do, and you're considering doing it, but you know it's a big decision, you need to talk to your wife first. And so you go home, and you see your kids, and you say, where's the wife? Where's mama? Oh, she's down washing the clothes in the Jordan River. So you go down to the Jordan River. And all of a sudden, you see this guy that people have been talking about. His name's John. And he's out there doing something that you have never seen before. He is taking someone else, and he is dunking them. He's baptizoing them. He's putting them under the water, so much so that they begin to call him John the Dunker or John the Baptist. Now, to be honest with you, all of us who grew up in church as teenage years when we first read that we probably thought that was a connection to our church you know he was john the baptist like there was molly the methodist or missy the pagan or something like that you know but the reason they called him john the baptist was because of what he did he dunked people that was what the word meant now while you're standing there watching the scene of John the Baptist dunking people, the crowd starts making this buzz. And you notice there's somebody coming with just this throng around him, and somebody says, that's Jesus. It's, 
it's Jesus. Now, you've heard that there's this guy that's been doing some stuff whose name's Jesus, but you're not really sure about him. And all of a sudden, John stops what he's doing, and he looks up and he points at Jesus, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus walks down into the water, I picture without saying a word, and stands before John and gets into, into position to say, as if to say, I want you to baptize me. And John and Jesus have this exchange. I shouldn't baptize you. And Jesus says, you should baptize. Yes, you should. And finally John says, okay, you're, the, you're it. I will, I will baptize you. And when Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and it is declared to those standing around here, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Well, what happens is Jesus leaves and John keeps baptizing. Okay, and so now you've got two washers, two dunkers, two baptizers. Um, Jesus gets his own followers and they start baptizing. Jesus didn't baptize himself, but his followers did. John's bap- uh, people were still baptizing. Meanwhile, some of John's followers who weren't even living around the Jordan River or around Jerusalem at this time are baptizing way off. And a guy named Paul, who meets Jesus on the Damascus Road, gets saved, gets baptized, and starts proclaiming the gospel. And he runs in to two of John's dunkers in Ephesus. Y'all tracking with me? Acts 19. Here we go. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, a long way from where Jesus was at in Jerusalem and in Israel. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Another connection, when we believe, God puts his Holy Spirit within us, the deposit guaranteeing our salvation. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, What Holy Spirit? We haven't even heard of this stuff. And so he follows this up with, in verse 3. He says, well, then, okay, well, then into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, because John's people had been out baptizing folks. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him that was greater, and that is Jesus. And so verse 5, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. You know, they were rewashed, I guess, redunked, rebaptized in the name of Jesus. And, and to be honest, I, I've just covered in about seven or eight minutes there the entire teaching of the New Testament, kind of on, on illustrations of different types of baptism. Uh, but here's the question What do we learn about the importance of baptism from what I just shared? Number one, When people are baptized, it allows them to identify with Jesus. When you became a Jew, a way to go public was this ritual cleansing. When John the Baptist came, uh, going public, you went public with the fact that you were associating with John. And when Jesus went into the water with John, he was saying, John's telling the truth. Everything he's saying is true. And he was identifying with John's message. When, When a person is baptized as a Christian... They are associated with Jesus, and they're saying, I'm not ashamed. Now, through the years, churches loaded up baptism with all sorts of meanings. But the best way to understand what, New Testament, what the New Testament's trying to say about baptism is to look at the New Testament in Acts 19. 
the men were saying, I was a follower of John, but now I'm a follower of Jesus. They were identifying themselves with Christ, and that's the way it is for us. Baptism is for individuals who have made a decision to associate, trust, receive Jesus, and baptism becomes a public declaration of a new association. I'm not trusting myself anymore. I'm not trusting my money. I'm not trusting my friendships. I'm not trusting my position. I'm not trusting another religion. I'm not trusting another path. I'm not trusting my own intelligence. I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation. And so when a person gets into the water, they're saying, I'm different. I'm new because I'm following Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's a declaration of this new association. You know, uh, uh, that's why we don't baptize babies, guys. Uh, that's why when children ask to be baptized, we talk repeatedly to them so we know that they understand. It's important that a child can look back on that time and say, that's when I gave my life to Jesus. That's when I trusted him. Now, we don't think there's any inherent value in, in washing children or dunking children before they believe. Um, now, it doesn't mean it wasn't meaningful to parents. It probably was extremely meaningful to parents. Uh, but in terms of infant baptism, there's really no such thing because baptism is a self-identification with Christ. Now, another reason we baptize folks is it requires humility. I mean, guys, it does. Let's just face it. It requires a lot of humility to get baptized. Everyone who is baptized into Jesus lays down their pride and admits that they need him. And baptism by immersion, think about this, really makes you lay down your pride. For some of you, it is a really bad hair day when you get baptized. You go in there with yourself completely looking together because your family and friends all came to see you get baptized, and you come out looking like a drowned rat. That is the way that baptism works. I think that's intentional. I mean, think about it. If you're sprinkled, you can hang on to your pride. Don't get me too wet. And by the way, you know, I've just had this done. When you're baptized, you're laying down your pride. You're in humility. and, and, And you're having to trust somebody. What a symbol. You know, I mean, you're still in pretty much control when baptism is the other way. But when you get baptized by getting dunked, you kind of given up a lot of control. What if the guy doesn't like you? You know? <laughs> what if the guy drops you? Whew! Don't you think the symbol's supposed to be teaching us something? You got to lay down your pride to get baptized. You got to trust God. You got to let go of your own control. Um, I think it should, it, for us, the reason we baptize is it signifies a real change in our life. You know, most people know they're sinners. We don't need to be convinced. But praise God, through repentance and faith, we're born again, and we can live a new life in Christ. When I baptize people, I, you know, we all have our little things we do when we baptize people. Everybody's got their little things. But when I baptize, I would always raise my hand, and somebody asked me why you do that, and I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I would just always raise my hand, and I would say, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my brother, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I would kind of, I had a washcloth to put it over 
over their nose because they might be like Kent and have phobias, you know. And so I would do that, and they would hang on to my arm, and I would lay them under. And when I'm laying them under, I would always say this verse, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a new life. We are buried with him, our old ways gone, our trust of ourself is gone, our belief that we are better than is gone. I'm burying that guy and I'm raised, I'm living a new life saying I need Jesus. I need him completely, not only for eternity but for the here and now and I'm raised to walk in a new life. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new has come. I want people to know that. And what a perfect picture. Getting into the baptistry and saying, Jesus has done something new in my life. I want everybody to know I identify with him, and he has done something in me. Um, If you saw, oh, brother, where art thou? I guess, what, 15 years ago now? And you liked it? You're a little weird. <laughs> like me, okay? Uh, and, 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 and though it's PG, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily uh, for, for you to watch with kids because it's got some pretty harsh language in the movie. But there was a baptismal scene early on in the movie. Y'all remember the baptismal scene? The movie's about three convicts. You know, Delmar's one of these three escaped convicts, and he impulsively runs out into the river where he sees some people being baptized, and he asks the preacher, he says, will you baptize me with with everybody else? And, of course, the preacher uh, baptizes him, and he comes up out of the water ecstatic, and he says uh, to his friends, the preacher has cleansed me of everything I have ever done wrong, including that piggly wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. And his skeptical friend sneers and said, I thought you said you were innocent of that charge. And Delmar admits, I lied about that, but the preacher said, I'm forgiven of that too. (laughs) Then still standing in the water, you remember what he says? Come on in, boys. The water is fine. Guys, for those of you who are skeptical, I just tell you, man, come on in. Jesus is fine. It's a good thing and a beautiful thing to know that you are forgiven. And then, why do we do this? It's the first step of obedience, guys. You know, we asked the question earlier, can you go to heaven without being baptized? And the answer is, yes. That's the way I understand Scripture. But Scripture also says those who are really saved are broken of the prideful heart that thinks they're in control. And they put their trust in Christ. And Christ is commanded those who believe and become disciples, that they be baptized. I worry about those who would say, I trust Christ and I'm going to heaven, who would say, but I never listened to him. Do you really trust Christ? Uh, William James suggested, an impression without an expression leads to depression. If God impresses your heart and you don't have any way to Let anybody know. It's depressing. You know, we have to suppress our emotions. And this is true in all of... uh, 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 Or when you have to suppress your emotions, uh, and this is true in all of life, it's difficult. It's like trying to restrain a sneeze. You ever done that? You know, uh, or it it hurts inside. Have you ever tried to hold back laughter, you know, when something funny happens like during prayer at church? You know, or... Or have you ever tried not to cheer for your team when you're in the midst of a group of other people 
who don't necessarily agree with you. You know, uh, have you ever tried not to cry at a sad movie? You try to hold that back. Just something seems wrong about not being able to let out what you feel by how God impresses you. I think that's why when Jesus healed people, he often gave them something to do. He said to the blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He said to the ten lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Let somebody know. He, 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 he told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Jesus could have healed all of these people. man could have kept his hand inside, went home and said, wow. People could have opened their eyes instantly. The ten lepers could have went on about their life. But Jesus understood, I believe, that, that we need the opportunity to do something to meet the need of an expression. When Jesus changes your life and you feel forgiven, guess what baptism is? It's that opportunity God gives us to say, here's what God has done for me. Guys, what do you do when you're impressed with Jesus Christ? When you understand that he's the son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins and when you really grasp the fact that because of his love all of your sins are forgiven and you have the promise of life and, and meaning for everyday living and, and you know you're loved and accepted by God, what do you do? Jesus said, here's what you do. Get into the water and humble yourself and by doing so proclaim to the world, I believe, I believe. If you're here this morning and you've never been immersed, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do something today. I'm going to challenge you to come forward in a minute when we're singing and say, I believe and I want to be baptized. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't know you. Why would I come forward? But you know that this sounds true because it sounds true of Scripture and the Holy Spirit's bearing witness. The card I gave you earlier, on the back of this card it says, you know, I would like to know more about baptism. If you'll fill out your name on the front and a way to contact you, and you do this this week, probably tomorrow, maybe even this afternoon, we will contact you and talk to you more about baptism. Some of you here, it's not a baptism issue, it's a heart issue. You've not been baptized because deep down you've never trusted Christ. You still trust yourself, it's still about you, it's still about your good works, it's still trying to clean yourself up. You can't. You never have been able to. And Christ says, come unto me, all you who are weary and tired of trying to fix it yourself. And I'll give you rest for your soul. Maybe today you want to confess your faith in Christ. You too could come forward and say, I want to, I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe coming forward is tough for you. I've got a place here. I'd like to know more about receiving Christ. You know, just check that box. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer and you've been baptized, but you'd like to be a part of a congregation. Uh, I've been in Burlington 12 weeks now, 11 weeks, something like that, a little while. Long enough to know these people will love you. They're not perfect, but guess what? You're not either. So you don't have to worry about messing this church up, because they already are. We all are. That's the way it is. Uh, 
But if you'd like to be a part of this congregation and part of this fellowship, you can come. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to know more about being a part of this congregation and how that works. Guess what? On this card, you can fill that out and drop that and somebody will contact you this week. Or maybe you're just here today and you're saying, I'm really confused and I don't know what I want to do. And you'd like to talk to a pastor. There's several pastors in the church here. Uh, if you'll just say, I'd like to talk to somebody about faith matters. You know, we won't high-pressure sales pitch you. We'll tell you what we believe in the truth. And at the end of the day, we can't make anybody believe. So we're not trying to baptize you to get numbers. We're not trying to get you to join the church so that we can say, look what we've got. We're trying to do this because we believe that God has blessed us through our faith, our baptism, and being a part of a church. And if you'd like to be blessed in that way, we'd be glad to share with you what it's done for us. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to pray and we're going to stand and sing. You're welcome to come at this time. You can come. Uh, you can fill out this card if you'd like and give it to someone in the back when we leave. Uh, but if God speaks to you, I want you to respond either way. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, preach your word today and to proclaim about baptism. Lord, I don't want anybody to be confused that I think baptism is as important as you. Lord, you are the... You're the beautiful one. You died on the cross for me because of my sin. You took my place. You satisfied the wrath of God, and you made me clean. Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for what you've done. But because I love you, Jesus, I want to follow your commands. And Lord, in your own wisdom, you chose to use baptism as one of the first steps that we take in following you. God, I pray that if uh, there's people here who needed to hear this, and I'm sure there are, Lord, you laid it on my heart to speak it, I pray you would use it, Lord, in their lives. And God, I pray that uh, for those of us who are believers and have been baptized, on those moments that we feel worthless, may we be reminded because of what has happened. You loved us while we were still sinners, and you still love us even when we fail. Morning by morning, new mercy we see. Thank you, God.